0: Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, the 10th of August across Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dobbin. So much to get through this morning. I'm going to talk about this amazing lunch that Marcus and Shelley Kerr ran yesterday at the Echo Grounds. We'll talk about the Young Auctioneers competition. We'll catch up with Stuart McKenzie. We'll also... Catch up with a really great news program for rural and regional females from Professor Rita Wisner. Uh, Anthony Highland, not available today. Dolby, a fraction cheaper in places, uh, but we'll get to that as well. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. A very good morning to you. Let's get into it. Yesterday was a special day for many reasons. I'm going to talk about that next. A unbelievable lunch. The city and country raising bucks, fundraiser lunch and an invitational bull ride at the Brisbane Exhibition Centre. I was part of it and it was a special day. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. I was part of an extremely special day yesterday in Queensland. Perry Cross is a leader and the biggest ambassador for spinal research. He's a quadriplegic from a tragic football accident when he was a lot younger. And since then, he has been on a campaign to make a difference. Uh, yesterday, at the Brisbane Exhibition Centre, they raised an enormous amount of money for the Perry Cross Spinal Research Foundation. Now, along with the Griffiths University they are trying to conduct a world first cell transplantation and rehabilitation humans clinical trial and the researchers are very very close before yesterday they needed another 2 million they needed 8 million dollars 8 million dollars to get this trial underway they had raised they had raised 5 million and they needed another $3 million to make this world first happen. They are confident when they do get this money, this $8 million, that they can change the lives of people suffering with paralysis across the globe. That's how big this is. And you can go to Perry Cross Spinal Research Foundation anytime you like. It is quite unbelievable and uh, what they are doing. Now, Perry Cross didn't organise this lunch this year, but Marcus and Shelley Kerr did because of the tragic accident that occurred with their daughter, Georgia. And yesterday, Georgia, Marcus, Shelley, all the Kerr family and a lot of their family and friends were there yesterday for an extremely, extremely special day. This was the city and country raising bucks, the fundraiser luncheon and invitational bull ride. See, because not only is Marcus um, a a dad, one of his, his sons, Jake, is a bull rider, so all the bull riders came, and there was an unbelievable, unbelievable event at the Echo Grounds. So we get to the event, and I'm told yesterday morning that I have to introduce the Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk because she's coming to the luncheon. Well, anybody who listens to this show understands how difficult that was for me in that moment because I've been more than critical of the Premier of this state and what she's done to this state. But I will say this. Yesterday, Anastasia Palaszczuk donated $2 million of the three needed for Spinal Research and the Perry Cross Foundation. And for me for her to walk into that environment, she has got an awful lot wrong and still continues to. But for the Kerr family and for everybody present there yesterday, for her to donate $2 million is something quite unbelievable. She's not everybody's favourite. She's certainly not mine. But yesterday to make a commitment of $2 million was something quite spectacular. So from there, they had raffles and they had so much more. Andrew Twiggy Forrest had said that he will match dollar for dollar on anything that was raised at that lunch. Well, Peter Dowling, who's very well known, and a lot of the other communities there yesterday, raised $312,000 on top of the $2 million commitment that the Premier gave to the Perry Cross Foundation. 312000 So that will be doubled now by and matched by Andrew Twiggy Forrest. What an unbelievable, unbelievable uh, auction. There were some sponsors, and I, I should mention them. Arriet. well, we know what Terry Donoghue and who he is. He's just a, quite an unbelievable bloke. HP Wagyu's, the McDonald Holdings, Morgans, RPL, Rural Property and Livestock, Sahara Park, the Normanby, Shona, Lisa Rink, Arubial Wagyu's, Causeway Beef Nutrition, and the Cal Hotel, all of them committing to sponsor the lunch. But it was the people of rural and regional Queensland who absolutely 100% got this done. They were the ones who backed this. And when we saw the video of Georgia Kerr and just her thoughts on this and Marcus talking and how raw it was, it was quite an unbelievable event. A spectacular luncheon and one that you will see and hear a lot of. 312,000 raised in the auction for the bull ride. $2 million committed from Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk and Andrew Twiggy Forrest matching dollar for dollar from anything from that lunch. Wow. Wow, what a spectacular event and one that everybody in Queensland should be extremely proud of. Marcus and Shelley Kerr did an amazing job in organising this lunch and it's sold out quicker than anybody could think. It's been their focus because their daughter, their love, is helpless at the moment and they're making a difference. That is what Queensland is off the back of. That is what we do every single day. And I was just so honoured to be a part of that yesterday. And really, it was a game-changing event. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Professor Ritha Wisner joining us this morning from the University of Southern Queensland and the founder of the UniSQ WIRE program, Women in Regional Enterprise. And that's what we need to do. Uh, this is a fantastic program uh, for the Women in Regional Enterprise, the WIRE program, which guides and supports regional remote and rural women to grow an idea into a business or a community venture amen to that w- Rita, good morning and thank you so much for being with us
1: good morning and thank you very much for having me on
0: how awesome uh, i mean seriously like we i've got two daughters and i always think them th- and they love the bush and you know as much as we want to prosper and and grow on the bush these are the these kind of programs are what they're doing is it's giving them you know direction guidance t- to follow those dreams to chase that idea to be proud of what they're doing to not second guess themselves
1: look absolutely that's uh, certainly what we're also trying to achieve in this particular program um our program is very much uh, focused upon rural regional and remote women entrepreneurs um, And, you know, for the last 17, uh, sorry, last seven years in Queensland, um, we've really been pushing to help women starting their businesses, grow their businesses, scale their businesses, but also business women in organisations who want to, um, you know, change and grow their organisations as well, um, providing them with the tools to do so.
0: So how does this work and this program work? Can you just give me a little bit of a um, – oh, you've got this unbelievable thing that started on the 1st of August and finishes next year with the Y program, and there's a seven-step program. Can you talk us through it? It happens – the three-hour workshops are happening in Toowoomba, Kingaroy, Chinchilla, Cairns, Mareeba and Ellie Beach, Gladstone, Long Longreach, Sunny Coast – Oh, that's a virtual – and Mount Tambourine. So talk us through what, what happens in these – and how they work?
1: Well, um, the entire program, it is a year program, but women can enroll. Um, when they enroll in the full program, they can really make a choice as to how they want to um, navigate their way through the program. So the program contains comprises seven components, which I'll quickly have a talk about in a minute. Uh, and they can then choose which component or which components we, they want to really incorporate in their Uh, entrepreneurial learning journey and growth journey over the next uh, 12 months Uh, and the program really kicks off with this uh, initial regional innovation and AI play pop-ups in all of these areas, all of these regions that you just talked about and what we'd like to do in the initial um, regional innovation uh, pop-ups, it will be a three-hour workshop. Uh, in all of these um, uh, areas and um, what we'd like to do is to um, just give them a bit of a taste of what is um, uh, how you how you can actually use um, artificial intelligent tools to do some amazing things for your business so we want to give them an overview of how they can uh, really get the edge with using some of these tools but it's not just about the AI tools it's it's really how they can bring their creativity, their emotional intelligence, to really optimize the, uh, some of these tools, but also there's you know um, other growth strategies that 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 really sits around the AI tools. So it's how you use these tools to to optimise it for yourself. In these particular workshops, initial workshops, uh, we want to make it a very personal experience where women can develop a really a cutting edge bio for themselves, for their LinkedIn profile, or for their socials and so forth, but also to um, for women who want to develop a, a business model who is very early stages, or those who already have, um, uh, you know, for several years, they just want to grow their businesses and they want to innovate their business models, and just um, to give them some cues as to how they can use AI to, to um, uh, create and recreate their business models very quickly and very efficiently. So that's really – and we'll also give them an overview of, um, of the program as well and how they can, you know, obviously get involved and so forth.
0: So the, the big thing moving forward is that we absolutely know now that we need to champion these kind of ideas. Now, what's the – how old? 18 is the minimum age, obviously, to come with these ideas?
1: Yes, that's 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 correct. Yes, and um, it's um it's not only for um, when you have a, a really innovative idea that you want to uh, start a business with. It's also for uh, for other women who's currently in business. We have um, uh, usually we have a lot of women in the tourism industry, for example, who wants to grow their businesses or other other women who's already been kind of in business for a number of years, but they just can't seem to um get out of that um the rat race of you know they're working so hard but they can't seem to grow their businesses so it's also for those women to come in and um and participate in this program yeah. i can maybe just uh, uh, talk uh, very quickly about the seven components i'd love to okay? hear that
0: i'd love to hear the seven components of this program i w- really would
1: so in September, October and beginning November, we're going to run the regional innovation and AI play pop-up. And then in November, uh, we're going to move on to then also AI-powered growth and scaling boot camp. So that will be a two-day, two-half-day boot camp over a weekend. So it's a 10-hour boot where this particular bootcamp will specifically focus on a whole range of how you can level up your marketing um, and also other aspects of your business by using um, innovative AI strategies um, and growth strategies. And then um, our, I guess our flagship program, which is the Immersive Business Development and Growth Hub, um, it's, a, it's a 12-week sprint or a 12-week challenge. Um, that um, will probably kick off roundabout in February, so that's a 12-week challenge where women all over Queensland um, come together virtually once a week um, for for 90 minutes, and then we bring in experts. Um, we have mentors um, linked into um, the particular the hub program, um, and then women work together with other like-minded women to actually move one big aspect of their business forward in 12 weeks. We also have um, coaches um, that feed into this program. So over the 12 weeks, they will be supported by a a coach to uh, achieve uh, what they set out to achieve uh, over the 12 weeks. Now, what we found with, um, you know, we've run probably so far about 14 or 15 of these hubs. And, um, the results we get is just phenomenal, not only in terms of business, um, Business growth, but I think it's because it's a very much a holistic program. We also focus on the psychological aspects of being a business owner, um, and um, you know, of really moving specific uh, targets forward um, or your ideas forward, and all the self-doubt and inner critic that usually you come across when you when you go through this process. Um, but I guess what we one of the main things is what we have found also, which is probably why I just absolutely love this program and really want to push it forward for you, for the years to come um, is because a lot of women say it's really changed their lives because they've now become part also of a support community of others actually helping and supporting yeah,
0: them. I agree with you 100% uh, wireprogram.com you can go there well, to register your interest. Uh, get, visit the website or email wiresupport at wireprogram.com as well. It has started, so you can register as well. Um, and I think this is fantastic. Where we'll go, and everything's there, the pop-ups are going Toowoomba, Kingaroy, Chinchilla, Cairns, Mareeba, early Beach, Gladstone, Biloela, Tam Mount Tambourine, Longreach, Sunshine Coast, virtually. Um, we thank you so much for being with us, Professor. Uh, thank you so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland today.
1: It is my absolute pleasure and really looking forward to working with some phenomenal women in the next year.
0: This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. We'll take a break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. I don't want to go scaremongering everybody, but this has literally been reported in the Country Life this morning at six o'clock and also uh, in the Courier-Mail. Comes from Jamison Murphy, who says the Labor Party will consider a motion to ban all land clearing within the next two years at its up-and-coming national conference in Brisbane in a move that has absolutely outraged the agricultural industry. This is developing, by the way. Labor's Environmental Action Network, (LEAN) will put forward a motion calling on the party to end all broad-scale land clearing before its next federal election. The support motion, um, which also calls for the end of native forest logging, has already been supported by more than 300 Labor branches. Of course it has. Lean will argue the changes are necessary to retain European markets access, pointing to the stalled European Union free trade deal and its incoming deforestation laws. David Littleproud in January foreshadowed Labor would attempt to use the EU as a political cover to enforce harsher land clearing laws. This is what he's always been concerned about, he said. Labor looking for the stalking horse... Uh, to bring in restrictive laws to Australia farmers. If it's not the EU, it'll be something else. They find reason and this business model to bring draconian laws, but look for somebody else to blame. Now, Trade Minister Don Farrell confirmed deforestation in Australia was not a sticking point with the FTA negotiations. I'll repeat that. Trade Minister Don Farrell has confirmed that it, it was not a sticking point. So that's just garbage, what Lena's saying. They also cited the EU move to recrying all beef imports to verify their products have not been produced on deforested or degraded land within the next two years. FTA or not, Europe will not cop products that rely on deforestation. On market access for our beef industry is under threat from our globally significant land clearing rates. This is the scare crap that is going on every single day from Felicity Wade lean co-convener. Fiona Simpson blasted them and rightly so as ill-informed National Farmers Federation are um, dragging the EU FTA into their lobbying is absurd, desperate scare tactics. Australia's environmental laws and record on land clearing will pass whatever scrutiny the EU throws their way. The suggestion that an Australian farmer who are world class producers be excluded from the market on this basis is absolutely ludicrous. Now, New South Wales farmer president Xavier Martin urged conference delegates to remember their food came from the farms, not the supermarkets. Well, I don't think they even care about this. Anything that makes it harder to produce food is going to and clothing is going to impact it. Mr Martin said two landscapes were the same, which meant blanket bans would be unintended consequences, such as restricting land clearing for fire breaks and hazard reductions. Now, this is very scary, and it gets even scarier. The Australian Conservation Foundation has backed Lean's motion, with more than 250 scientists signing an open letter to the state's large-scale land clearing and native forest logging the single biggest threat to the nation's biodiversity. I mean, who are these people? Seriously. The Australian agricultural industry has long argued that landscape and farming systems of two continents are vastly different, which they are. li land management standards are irrational. I don't believe that we should be able to advise the EU, and take advice off the EU about land management considering they have a totally deforest their continent for hundreds of years. I don't think they're in any position to pass any moral judgment on any other country. This is from David Littleproud. The National Farmers Federation have demanded Australia be assessed as low risk. But no, the Labor Party still carry on with this garbage. Australia's regulatory framework is such that of most stringent in the world, they are seeing clearing rates continue to drop each year. That's the truth. Evidence shows in Queensland, clearing has dropped 50% on year on year and 80% on what was being cleared in repeat management of woody regrowth. I mean, seriously. The Labor Party are thinking about this and this doesn't scare you. i tell you what it does, it scares me. They are considering this proposal And we saw it. We saw cattle plunge the other day. Because why? The week before we saw Tanya Plebysak come out with the Bureau of Meteorology and say, we're getting record heat waves. We're under threat. We could be drought. I mean, we have gone so far down a rabbit hole around the policy around our climate and our environment, yet we don't look over the fence and see what others are doing. The Labor government is trying to destroy agriculture. And I don't say this lightly. I mean it. Horrific what they are trying to do. Horrific. And it is about time that we put a stop to it. The fact that we have to have these conversations, the fact that we waste our time on this is something short of absurd. Yet they get given breath, they get given... And the woke, and I'm telling you that, they come in... And they talk about how wonderful they are. Well, it's disgusting. The Labor government to consider a motion to ban all land clearing in the next two years at its up-and-coming national conference in Brisbane. Well, I just hope peak bodies, like Ag Force, pony up big time. They can talk all the fluff they want. But this is when you fight. And I'm serious. We've marched before. We'll march again. This is a disgrace at the highest level. And the Labor government are out to destroy agriculture in this country. Make no mistakes. Our biggest threat isn't the environment. It's the Labor and Green movement that is underpinning our country. We can see it with the vote that's coming in the referendum later this year. And now they're back on this. We saw it last week with the Reef. At what point do we change the narrative? That's the big thing. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Stuart McKenzie joins us next on Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Uh, look, he's been on the show many times before. The i Shire Mayor, Stuart McKenzie, joining us this morning on Rural Queensland Today. Stuart, good morning. Thank you for being with us on this Thursday morning. Yeah,
2: pleasure as always,
0: Dobbo. Um, Let's start with the gravel pits. Um, You're among these absolute ridiculous situation where gravel pits... Now, we've spoken um, to different mayors throughout Queensland and Mark Ferner received Crown Law advice that the Commonwealth Native Title Act applies to gravel pits. He says in some cases consent will be negotiated between native title bodies and the Department of Agriculture and Fisheries. But he also said that working with permit holders, registered native title body corporations and and people to address the native title are a priority so we can get quarry permits before they expire. Liaising with the Department of Agriculture and Fisheries in Queensland Reconstruction Authority and the State Development and Local Government, led by Stephen Miles, which is a bloody huge worry, says they've organised meetings... And um, oh, this is the 22nd to the 24th when Parliament next sits. I'm sorry, that just fails the pub test. Now, this is ridiculous. You know, this is absolutely oh, I mean, ridiculous. <clears throat> and, I, and you guys are one of the major shires that are under the pump
2: over this. Yeah, well, we've been fighting this since the beginning of the year. So we knew that our, our permits all um, were due for turning over in, at the 30th of June. So we found out that this was going on and we've been dealing with the department or whatever. And my response, and I've talked to quite a few people in fairly strong terms, I said, this is your problem. You, you caused it, you fix it. And I, I still just shake my head at the incapacity for people in departments to understand consequences of decisions. So I don't care where the advice comes. And I've been told it's an interpretation. Okay, like a lot of legal stuff, if it is legal, it's an interpretation, so it's not black and white. And someone somewhere surely must have gone, well, this can't work, okay? There's shires west of us where they've, they've got three or four gravel pits out of 100 that they can use. Like, yep. it's in, it's basically, it's impossible for this, to, to operate with under this present regime. So someone somewhere must have gone, okay, well, this can't happen. We've just got to fix it. Well, we're still waiting for that.
0: So... So, what's happening to your shire? Can you give us a cost at the moment? Like, I, I mean that because uh, talking talking to different shires, they're talking if they went down the route of going past the gravel pits, that some jobs that are in exit, like $250,000, could cost up to $5 million. That's the severity of it. Andrew yeah, Martin was yep. super critical about it a couple of weeks ago. Oh, look,
2: yeah. I mean, and to give you an example, we had some of the departments with our engineers looking at a map of Crookie and said, oh, why don't you only use one gravel pit? There's two here, but you only need one. And he said, well, it might look close on a map, but it's actually 70 k apart when you actually get down the road. So they don't, they don't comprehend the distances, etc. So we've got, at this point, we've got an interim agreement. I don't know what that means. It goes for 100 years, that's fine. So we can still use some of them. But we've got 110 gravel pits. 50 odd, over 50 we can't use which all happen to be on the western part of the Shire so it just means you can't do you can't put any gravel on your roads you can't do any road works and we've got um, up towards 17 million worth of flood damage to be done over the next 12 18 months yes. so um, it's just it's just not you can, and you just can't yeah you can't cart gravel like hundreds of kilometers it just destroys the road that you're trying to fix and it just like it just makes no sense it's completely unworkable there is no solution other than to just fix this problem. And what though, are they saying about it? I mean, you've it's got been r- acting since what ninety four. Yeah, we've been using these pits since before then. So why all of a sudden does some boffin come up with it? It's just yeah, incredibly annoying.
0: Um, we we obviously know that th- that's one issue. The stock routes are another issue, um, and we've been talking about this. Yeah, that's the scary thing for me. That really does scare me where you guys are at. I mean, I don't understand how they can't get this all under control. Where do you see it? Where would you like to see it land? Uh,
2: what, in the stock routes you mean? Or? In the stock routes. Or the, the land, with, oh, the gravel pits With the
0: stock routes. I know where the, I know where the gravel pits, you guys are obviously going to get something
2: done there. Yeah. That,
0: that's going to happen. But the stock routes are the other issue as well.
2: Yeah, look, we've, our stock rates generally haven't been used for years, so they're not a huge issue for us um, because they never used, Only, only that they they exist and they when they they should have been um, reabsorbed into yeah. into the joining leases. Yeah, so um, because and they're not they're not fenced and the waters the waters are maintained by the adjoining property owners. Um, so you, so haven't, got the you haven't got the but, same but issues. You haven't got the same issues there.
0: Where, yeah. And this is the this is the yeah. question mark that not everybody knows what the the laws are around it. And you talk about the murky areas. You talk about with gravel pits. You talk about with stock routes. That's where we we are having. And, and look, there's clearly there's clearly something going on at the moment which is a little different to everybody else. Which is that there is some underhand stuff going on. And Stuart, I understand you can't say a lot, but you know the ban for land clearing. It's in today's paper. There is a Labor Party will consider a motion to ban all land clearing within the next two years at the National Conference in Brisbane. Now, like, that, that, they, this is all starting... I mean, you're seeing the gravel pits. You're seeing the, yep. <clears throat> the reef floors. Uh, I, I talked about this a little earlier today, and it's a scary part. This L- Labor's Environmental Action Network will put forward a motion of calling on the party to end all broad-scale land clearing before the next federal election. Emotion, which caught like it's just, yeah. you know, this is where it's getting to, and 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 it's the suffering that comes is from people like yourselves in your in your communities that just, it's just garbage. It's just absolute yep. garbage.
2: Yep. Yep. And another thing we found out the other day, they bought a, a workable, perfectly working property out here, which no one knew about, which happened to join a national park. So that was bought to join the national park. So. That plus I've spoken to previously about carbon farming, so properties being bought up purely for carbon. So, yeah, the, um, there's, some <laughs> there's some real issues there. There's a huge overstep happening, if you, if you ask me, and um, I think there's going to be a backlash.
0: Yeah, um, mate, I, I agree with you 100%. Can I ask you, and and, um, and, and I, um, I want to talk about now land the land boom. As land sales are an all-time high in Quilpie this is something that you guys have stepped along. So it, a lot of other shires could take a leaf out of your book because it's worked.
2: Yeah, look, we, had a, we came up with a, uh, an incentive, basically a homeowner's grant or home builder's grant, where we, if someone built a home and lived in it for six months or moved a home, moved an old home in, that we would pay them up to 5% of the value of that home, up to $20,000. So um, that was about 18 months ago. And we got a lot of media out of that and probably off the back of the media rather than the actual grant. We've, we've sold 11, 11 uh, residential blocks since then and six industrial blocks. Um, the local real estate agent sold eight in the last month around Pound and Cookie. So um, we've got young people moving out. It's, um, it's really exciting, actually.
0: Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it's unbelievable. I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Uh, the gravel pit issue, it's going to be the big one. It's starting to go everywhere. We appreciate your time this morning, Stuart. Thanks so much for giving us uh, some time this morning. I really appreciate it.
2: No worries. Thanks for the interest,
0: brother. Good on you. be Shire Mayor, Stuart McKenzie. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today across the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin on Thursday morning, the 10th of August. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. He might be a little dusty this morning, but Charters Towers has an absolute winner, a superstar um, this morning. Queensland Young Auctioneer Champion Dustin Fitzgerald of Queensland Rural at Charters Towers is the winner of the Royal Queensland Young Auctioneers competition for 2023. We talk about this a lot and he is an absolute huge, huge winner and an ambassador. He was named first of a field of 10. And what an awesome, awesome experience for this bloke. It's in his DNA. It's in his DNA. He is uh, quite unbelievable. His dad's a commission buyer, his uncle's an agent, and he knows it like the back of his hand. Dustin Fitzgerald from Queensland Rural in Charters Towers. He has the gift of the gab, no two ways about it. And he said this to the Queensland Country Life yesterday afternoon. I'm still in a bit of shock. The comp has always meant a lot to me. Starting off the industry, you want to win it. To come out, take the lead for my first hit is unbelievable. It would have been very tight. The boys did very well. The 23-year-old was born in Roma and lived in Toowoomba before working on cattle properties after high school and then making the move to Charters Towers where he joined Troy Trevor I spoke to them both last night. I was at that young auctioneer's dinner last night and he should be very proud. Having been an agent for two years and auctioneering for one and a half years, Dustin says he loves being an agent in the North. He loves it up there. He's, as I said, his dad's a commission buyer. His uncle's an agent, so it's in the DNA. Wayne York, who is just a wonderful auctioneer, has been mentoring him along with Troy Trevor in the lead up to the state final, as well as Nick Malone, and Troy, who we talked about, and those blokes have been unbelievable. Troy Trevor is from Charter Towers and very well known is an outstanding. Simon Kingbacker he's from GDL was second, in his fourth and final year of entering the competition. The 24year-old was happy with another sash to his collection, having won the runner-up title two years ago. It was a great night last night and one that you should everybody should be very, very proud of, because the young auctioneers' competition last night was just phenomenal. The dinner, well, that was canapes at the Regatta Hotel. And you know what? It was just a phenomenal, phenomenal night and one where everybody was embracing just what a great industry it is. So well done to Dustin Fitzgerald, who absolutely shone last night. Now, I haven't touched on this, but I do want to, on Brady Prow and the fatal car accident that happened over the course of the weekend. What a tragedy for the 29-year-old. This car accident happened at Yarraka last Saturday. Now, the police report, I've spoken to a few police about this, um, and their report now is that the four-wheel drive um, that was heading south on the Yarraka retreat road when it hit a cow and rolled. He passed away at the scene. The black all born and bred. Billy Prow is very well known, his father as uh, a driver. Brady, obviously, very, very well known, and a lot of tributes come from him. And it's a very, very sad and uh, difficult situation for everybody. But our thoughts are with him. What a freak accident. He was a phenomenal horseman. And he was a very, very talented stockman. Brady was destined to work with cattle, as they say. And has absolutely left a huge hole in many people's hearts. Uh, A dreadful, dreadful situation. And one that I don't think anybody, anybody would have believed happened. He had two beautiful children and now he leaves as a legacy which is just absolutely heartbreaking. I feel very, very sorry for the family. I know how difficult this is for everybody. It's just a shocking thing. To his parents, Billy and, and Tony-Ann Smith, you, you must be devastated. Just a shocking situation and one that a lot of people wouldn't be able to process at this present moment. Just horrific. Um, very, very, very sad and uh, one that I think a lot of people today and are still reeling from. Just a tragic accident could happen to a lot of people, uh, whether or not it's just freakish accidents. Some of the results from the Ecker from the last couple of days, the Lead Steer auction got to 4,450 cents a kilo, and it was a long tradition that the Breakfast Creek Hotel uh, bought the Grand Champion Lead Steer. Now the Brecky Creek, which is known for everybody, uh, bought a Limousin bread from Fernvale Limousins at Fernvale. Four eighty nine on the hoof. Took out the medium champion, Michael Rogers from the Brecky Creek Hotel said it's our thing. They don't miss. They buy the one. They buy the champion, no matter what. Now a Speckle Park on account of John Wilcox Tenerfield made he made the second amount of money. Uh, it was the other champion steer as well. And overall the steers range from six eighty five to four thousand four hundred and fifty cents a kilo, high volumes, Nolan's, Roddy Roads, we know in Brisbane, Woolworths and the Little Butcher at King Arroy. So they were the bulk the bulk buyers there. And so much to like about what has been going on in this neck of the woods. We're gonna take a break, come back with more. This is rural Queensland today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today. It is Thursday morning, the 10th of August. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll give you updates tomorrow, more on what happened around the Royal Brisbane show with the Paddock to Pallet results, as well as some of the results that are taking place throughout the course of of the day in the show ring. The echo officially opens, but as I said earlier today, we've had so much going on in the last 24 hours. It's been a big show. Enjoy your day. Uh, My name is Ben Dobbin. Ray Hadley joins you next, but remember when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time from all the team here at Rural Queensland Today. Stay safe on the roads and we'll be back tomorrow morning. Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Till next time, it's bye for now.